Well, I think those lights mean good evening to you. Welcome to Legacy Church. It's great to be here together today, right? I don't know about... Okay, hey, yeah, not bad, not bad. Y'all are working on it, it's good. Um, making sure some of y'all are still awake. Um, I don't know about you guys, but a few, a few mo- uh, weeks back uh, on Father's Day, Drew totally surprised me and he told um, a dad joke and it was really good. And I have to admit, um, I was so focused on Sixth Sense that it took me like the next day before I actually got the joke. And that's really bad because those are the kind of jokes I like. And so anyway... Um, I'm not going to tell any dad jokes today. I'm, hey, Hudson, why don't you be quiet, okay? All right. Uh, but I'm going to tell even better. I'm going to tell pastor jokes. Have you guys ever been around pastors that tell jokes? They're great, right? They're my favorite. So, so for instance, why, why is... Okay, thank you, thank you. It, it wasn't that long ago, um, the Johnsons moved to Salado-ish area, and I was having a, a, a conversation with CJ, and I was nervous that they, where they were moving, they were going to have to find another church and temple, and man, we just love the Johnsons. We've been living life with them for a long time, and so I did what every good pastor would do. I looked at him and said, you know, CJ, a church alive is worth the drive, right? So, so yeah, and, and the other thing that happens, and you guys know this too, um, Danny spoke about this last week, but one of the things that we don't like to do as pastors is tell other people that don't know us that we're pastors. We, we like them to kind of figure it out on their own. And then eventually they figure it out. And when they do, then you have to have the conversation. And they'll ask you, okay, well, what's it like to be a pastor? And then you tell them, and I'm like, well, what about, what about the pay? And you say, hey, the pay is good, but the benefits are out of this world, right? So, so hey, I got a million more of those. If you guys want to hang out, we, hey, I can tell you some jokes. And, and, uh, but you know, hey, today has been an interesting day. It's been an interesting week. We've gotten, we got the students back from camp. And not only that, we got them back from camp. And we got some other stuff with them. And I don't know about you guys, but this has been an interesting week. And in our family, it's been a little bit of a stressful week. It's been a little bit of a hard week. One of the things I can tell you guys, though, in the midst of kind of the second or third or fifth wave of the COVID storm, you know, it, it, it's kind of like when, when, when we go home and, and, and now that I have one that's graduated and out of the house, there's something special about when we all get in the house together. When all five of us are there together and we're sharing a meal and we're there together, there's something special about that time. Today, I, I just feel like that's where we are today. We get to be together. And in the midst of all that, I know we've got some of you guys online, we're together here in this moment. And because of that, there's encouragement there's a, there's a mutual warming, and so I hope that you guys will, will appreciate that. You know, also in my family, uh, I'm, I'm not one about over, over a magnifying things. I'll tell you, it's been a miracle in our house this week. Um, as, as many of you know, one of our, uh, our, our kids came down with COVID, and we're so worried about Luis, and uh, we got a negative test yesterday, so um, praise Jesus. I believe that's a miracle, and uh, we've never been so happy to flunk a test. So, so it's, it's, it just makes things crazy. Um, I used to make it regularly uh, a habit out of flunking tests. But, uh, you know, the other thing I want to say before I get started, though, it, it's, it's really weird. Um, I don't know if you guys are getting to the age yet. I know I keep talking about age when I come up here, but, you know, 49, you're getting a, little, you know, a few years older. And because I, I am the campus pastor at First Thrall and, and, and help out here, I can't remember what stories I've told who. So, 
So I'm just trying to like, I'm, I'm like talking to Sarah. Did I tell this story? Did I tell this one? Did I t-? And so anyway, if I, if I tell a story today you've heard before, just smile and laugh and we're good, all right? But I do have, some, I, I do, I do have a couple that I know that you've not heard before. Um, today, we're gonna be talking about following Christ, leading others. Specifically, we're gonna, we're gonna take that lead others. We're gonna kick that over till next week. Danny's gonna jump in there and he's gonna talk about what it looks like to lead others as we follow Christ. But today, we wanna focus in on what it looks like to follow Christ. Now, the example that I'm gonna give you today, you're gonna think, this is a great example for First Baptist Raw, but you guys get it anyway. So when I was in sixth and seventh grade, um, you guys know that I kind of grew up on a farm and, and my dad decided that he wanted to kind of move out and, and, and you know, enhance his footprint on things. And so he leased uh, like six sections of land. So that's, that's a huge amount of land, land for us, uh, actually close to where Julie uh, used to live. And that's before I knew Julie or Julie knew me or one of those things. But anyway, we had the six sections of land and dad got a bunch of Angora goats. You, most of you don't even know what Angora goats, they're the ones with the hair, the white, okay. You don't even see those anymore. And so we put them all across there, free grazing, they could go as they pleased. And so one of the things that we had to do is go in from week to week and just check on them, check their numbers, see how they were doing, make sure that bobcats and, and things like that hadn't gotten into them. And so sixth and seventh grade, I felt really big because um, I got to have my own mule, okay? A mule, all right? So, so I don't know, you guys know anything about mules? Half horse, half donkey. Okay, you got it, all right? So anyway, and they're known to be a little bit stubborn, which works out perfect for me. And we're not gonna talk about the genetics because that gets weird and all that kind of thing. But here's the deal. My... You know what my mule's name was? Jughead. I don't, I don't have no idea where the name Jughead came. Maybe, maybe he made somebody mad, but I love that mule. And so the crazy thing is, my dad would just, hey, we'd saddle that sucker up. Dad'd say, hey, go check this area, and he'd leave me to it. And so I would, I mean, sixth, seventh grade, think about this. You're in this vast open expanse. It was actually kind of rugged. There was actually some mountains and that kind of thing. I saw all kinds of crazy stuff as I was doing it. But it was fun because, hey, I was just off by myself. And there'd be other times, and what was interesting is when it's just Jughead and I, I could get him to go anywhere I wanted him to. I mean, like up steep hills, no problem. Up and around, you know, rocky things. Even if there was a snake or something on the side, he would be fine. But what was crazy is if I needed to follow my dad, when I would follow dad, Jughead wouldn't do anything that I asked. He would just follow the steps of the, of the horse that was in front of him. And he would, I want to tell you what was so crazy is I would eventually just let go of the reins because I wasn't doing anything anyway. And I would watch his steps. And he would step right into the exact steps of the horse in front of him, no matter where we went. And maybe mad for a while, but then I, I never forgot that. I never forgot. And I, you know, I tried everything, but he was going to follow in the steps of the horse in front of him. You know, you guys, since you were knee-high to a grasshopper, you played the game Follow the Leader. Anybody ever played that game, right? You, I don't remember when I was in kindergarten, that was my favorite thing to do, play Follow the Leader. And you only got to do it on your birthday. And so I remember, like, my, my, my birthday was the last day of school. I got to be Follow the Leader. And so I did all kinds of crazy stuff. We'd be at the park, and I'd make people do crazy stuff. But Follow the Leader today is going to mean something a little bit different. It means that we're going to be following Christ and, and I want to give, guys, just give you some, some, I don't know, some practical tips and some ways to think about it. But I think one of the best ways to remember to follow Christ 
is just to kind of echo in your minds the word of John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist had started his ministry and he had his followers and they were so excited about the ministry that John was doing. And remember, John was the, the forerunner of Christ and then Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, John realizes his time is about over. And just to see it, John's disciples are, are arguing with, with, with him and saying, hey, you need to be promoting yourself. And John the Baptist simply says it this way, he must increase and I must decrease. To me, if, if we boil things down today about following Christ, that's what it means, that's what it looks like. So our key verse today, you already know it. It comes from the, the, the words of the Apostle Paul. Paul is this, this amazing guy who wrote most of the New Testament, hated Christians for a while till he meets Jesus on a road to Damascus. And he says this to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. At first blush, doesn't that seem like a pretty arrogant statement? Hey, I mean, hey, you guys watch me and then we can follow Christ together. But Paul learned some things and Paul had, had been doing this for a while and because he'd been doing that, he said, follow my example because I'm gonna follow Christ. I'm gonna do what Christ asked me to do. At Legacy, we've always wanted to be referred to as Christ followers not just believers, but Christ followers, because that's the goal of any, any Christian is to follow Christ and to do what he did. And leading is also a part of life, and, and so is following. Every one of you here today has somebody following you, whether you know it or not. You may not even look around and seeing, but there are people following you. And remember this, this is a pro tip for you today. You can't be a good leader if you can't be a good follower. I truly believe that that's, that's one of those things that, that we need to do. I want us to hone in and focus on the second half of our key verse today. It makes sense. We must follow the example of Christ. That's what a Christ follower is. We also follow our leaders as they follow Christ. It's kind of like a never-ending circle. We're just doing this thing, and it's impossible to be a follower of Christ if you won't follow him, if you refuse. But how can you know or follow Christ if you don't know him or his character? To follow the example of Christ to ex is to examine the scripture, examine our heart, and let the Holy Spirit lead us to live like Jesus. So how did Christ live? How can we follow his example? Luke chapter two, verse 52. Famous verse for many of you. This is like the early, this is the 12 through 30 uh, time frame of Jesus' life. And it says this, Jesus grew in stature, uh, wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So that's his example. Those 12 to 30 Years. That's what he did. He grew in wisdom, stature, favor, and God. Man, I just want to kind of, I just want to kind of hone into that today. But but I want you to think about something for me for just a second. If we do, if we look at the scripture, and we begin to 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 kind of dissect this, and I don't give you something practical to walk away from, I think we may we may have missed something here today. So I want, I want to do something for you. What does it look like for me to follow Christ? Can I just give you some examples so that we can think about it? And I want to do this, I want to say it to you this way. These aren't the only examples. You guys have thousands of them in your own life. But, but the thing that happens a lot of times when we think about what it looks like to follow Christ, we only think about the big. But you know, there's thousands of small steps to follow Christ, just like that mule was following that horse in order to get to the big things. So in the big things, it's saying, for me, it's saying yes, even when the family budget says no. The small things are walking across the street and giving somebody a, a bottle of cold water when they're moving. 
A big thing is saying yes to kids from hard places. The small things are spending time with them and learning to love them. The big things are taking a train ride in India. Small thing is walking off the train. And you, you, you know, many of you today, you can think about what it means to follow Christ. For some of you, you had to follow Christ down the aisle. Say yes. And then, then you followed him at a believer's baptism and life has been amazing. It's been an abundant life. But it's important that we know that. So let's focus on, on that, that, that key verse, uh, Luke chapter two, verse 42. So wisdom, how does one get it? Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. So how does somebody get wise? Well, it takes time, right? You usually think about wise. You think about the wise old owl. You think about, I mean, I don't know if you guys know anybody that has gray hair, but, but sometimes you think of wisdom, you think of old age. But James 1, 5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and he'll be giving to you. So if you wanna follow Jesus, you gotta ask for wisdom. When I, when I was about 21, I was, believe it or not, I was a youth pastor back then and I was in a small church, First Baptist Miles, and I remember taking our students to camp that year and, and uh, you know, it, in case you don't know this, student camp isn't just for students. It's also for the adults that go and, and a lot of times the adults get out as much as the students do, but I remember being, and, and, the, and the speaker was talking from Proverbs, and he was saying, you know, if you want wisdom, you gotta ask for wisdom and read a proverb a day. And so the next morning, I started my journey, and for like the next four or five years, I read a proverb every day, a chapter of Proverbs. And you know what I'll tell you? I didn't get wisdom overnight, but if you ask a lot of people who know me, I think that's one of the gifts that they would say about me. There's wisdom and there's discernment that I have. And I believe it started that day. And here's what I can tell you. You wanna follow Christ, you gotta have wisdom. You've gotta have discernment. Because when Christ makes a right turn and you're not paying attention, you gotta have a discernment to know, hey, there's that fork in the road, what am I supposed to do? You gotta be able to have that wisdom. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise associate with fools and get in trouble. So if you wanna be wise, if you wanna grow in wisdom and you wanna follow the example of Christ, then hang around people who are wise. Uh, as the famous theologian Woodrow F. Call said in the movie Lonesome Dove, you ride with them, you die with them, right? And sometimes you begin to see, especially in our students, you guys are learning this, but those that you choose to be your closest friends that's who you're going to be like. And it's the same thing with Jesus. If Jesus is our closest friend, man, what's our character gonna be like? It's gonna be amazing. For us today, let's consider the wisdom of Jesus. You think about it, you say he grew in wisdom. How do we know that? Well, we just look to the scriptures, right? We look and see what he did. We know what, what to do when we see what Jesus did. He was regularly set up for failure by the religious leaders of the day, and they never got him. Why? Because he's wise. He was even tempted and set up by the devil, and the devil still couldn't get him. The devil wanted to knock down the ministry of Jesus before it even started. Jesus had started his earthly ministry by going into the desert, and what did he do? He didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. So let me just say this to you guys. Don't try that at home, okay? All right, it's not a good idea. But that's, what, that's how Jesus started his ministry, and then all of a sudden, he hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. Who shows up? The enemy. What does he do? During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, you tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And Jesus told him, no, 
The scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus was ready. How was he ready? Well, he knew scripture. And if you want to be wise and follow the example of Christ, then know and memorize the scriptures. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So Jesus grew in wisdom. He also grew in stature. He took care of his body. Now, I don't know about you guys, but 40 days and 40 nights of not eating, that's not a great way to take care of your body. But in this previous passage, you know, we see him fasting, but he started his ministry there and we're gonna follow his example. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. Uh, Danny talks about this from time to time, but many of you in athletics probably had somebody like this in your life. Did you ever have a coach that, was a little bit overweight, or can we, can we say fat at church? I don't know if you can say fat, but uh, well, you can when you're talking about football coaches because nobody cares because you know, you know what I'm talking about. We talk about fat football coach wearing the bike shorts and they would like pull like this and you know, all that kind of, no, you haven't seen that? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get somebody to help us out with that for at some point, but, but you always had a tough time when the fat football coach would be yelling, you, yelling at you, hey, you're supposed to be running and doing this and you're like, Dude, you can't run from here to the grocery store, all right? Don't be telling me that, you know, and, and so it was always tough, but, but Jesus didn't give us an example of, hey, go do that. No, he left the splendor of heaven, walked in shoes like you and I did, and gave us an example. Jesus led by example and was willing to have hard conversations, he had hard conversations with the devil. He had hard conversations with the disciples. He had hard conversations with Pharisees. He had hard conversations with people who wanted to kill him and eventually did. So for me, let me just tell you about leadership pound for pound. You want to find the best leaders? I'll simply define leadership this way. They lead by example and they have hard conversations. Does that mean they're a jerk? No, absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. It means when they see something that needs to be addressed, they do it with gentleness and respect, but they have the hard conversation. You have some great leaders around you if you don't know it. I can tell you that the two other pastors that I serve with, as well as the elders at both campuses, they live a life worth following. And they don't have any problem with the hard conversation. Sometimes I can, if I get honest with you about the way that I lead, I wanna lead just by example and let everybody else figure it out afterwards. But when I don't take those time to have those conversations, things get out of whack. But Jesus put on his big boy pants and gave us a living, breathing example of who and what God longs for us to be. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and they also grew in favor with God. And that sound good to you? Don't you want to grow in favor with God? Matthew 3, 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up and out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened. Think about this. Heaven opened up, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on Jesus, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, 49, my dad says that to me today. I'm gonna be a, you know, I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna be a blubbering mess, but this voice wasn't for Jesus because Jesus already knew it. It was for the people around him. But you can see that Jesus had gained favor with God because of the way that he chose to say yes and to live his life. It's a father who's proud of his son. Jesus already had the faith of a father, but he kept going. Philippians 2, 
five and six, or five through eight, says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He, didn't, he uh, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So if you wanna grow in favor with God, then you gotta do what Jesus did. You live a life of putting others before you. I think one of the things that when we think of Jesus most, and some of us think this is wimpy, but it's not. When you take yourself from a position of power at the top and you choose to work your way to the bottom, that's the strongest form of leadership that anybody can have. And Jesus is the one who coined uh, this idea of servant leadership. He didn't use the term, but he, he gave the example. And, and that's what we're to do. Um, I just want you guys to remember today, though, as we're thinking about growing in favor with, with God, you're not gonna do it if you don't spend time with him. It's not possible if you don't spend time with him. And so we know from Jesus' example, think about this. Jesus is God in the flesh. What did he do? Well, Luke 5, 16 says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. So if Jesus did it, that's what we ought to do, right? If we wanna grow in favor with God, we gotta grow in our relationship with him. And when we do that, life changes. And then we're ready to do the crazy part. We're ready to do some of the hard stuff like, you know, like Jesus did, like washing disciples' feet, right? Gross, right? I don't want any part of that like raising his friend Lazarus from the dead, talking to people in distress, healing the sick, driving out demons, and calming, and being the calming force in relationships that he made. One of the ways that we see the favor that Jesus gained from people, and this will be our last one, he grew in favor with God and with man, is found in Mark 14, three. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and she poured the perfume on his head. You guys know this. It, it's in other, other, the other gospels, but this is Mary. Bethany gives us a hint that that's where Mary lived. And, and she decided that here's the savior of the world. I know who he is. He saved me. He's found my favor. And what did she do? She took a, think about it in our day, it's, it's worth a year's wages. So we're talking what? I mean, I don't know what you make, but maybe, I mean, let's, let's, let's shoot high. 65, $100,000. Can you imagine? In one swoop, pouring it on Jesus' feet. That's, that's finding favor. And that's the kind of favor that he found with people. Now, he didn't find favor with religious people, sometimes like you and I, but he found favor with the down and outs. And that's what we're supposed to do. See, favor is best earned and most earned by serving others. You guys know that one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, and you know, one of these days when I get to heaven, I'm gonna meet her as Mother Teresa. She's, she's been dubbed as the living saint and uh, a man by the name of Shane Claiborne wanted to go and interview her and, and kind of catch what her life was like living in Calcutta in the slums and in and serving the people that she was around. 
One of the things that Shane noticed that in his time with Mother Teresa is that Mother Teresa had some nasty feet, okay? Can I say that? She had some nasty feet. They were callous. They were deformed. And so he discreetly asked one of the nuns about it. The nun explained that the only clothes that the mother owned were two robes. Whenever the sisters would be given a box of used shoes, Mother Teresa would insist that the other nuns select theirs first. Then she would take what was left over for herself. After many years of wearing the least desirable of the secondhand donated shoes, Mother Teresa's feet were left twisted and gnarled. Shane had the opportunity to ask Mother Teresa what she thought about this physical price that she had paid for putting herself last to help others. Like Jesus, she had a similar reply. She softly answered, intense love does not measure. It just gives. That's favor. That's our call. We wanna grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men to live a life that follows Jesus Christ. And we're gonna take, at Legacy Church, we're gonna take our cues from Jesus. We're gonna do what Jesus did. In the New Testament, a rabbi would call a new disciple by saying, follow me. It meant that from that time forward, their life would be drastically changed as they would be dead to their old life and alive to their new life. Sounds familiar, right? They'd literally leave everything they knew behind to begin to follow their new teacher. And if you were called to follow a rabbi, you'd be taking their set of rules and their teaching upon you with the idea that one day you'd perpetuate the ideas to future generations. As one would leave and begin to follow, others would say to him, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. For us as Christ followers, the call is clear. Just like that mule, we're to follow so closely to our rabbi Jesus that his dust settles on us. I want people to be able to say that about me and about you. Can we agree today to follow Christ by growing in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man? Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for your example. Lord, we're reminded today that you just didn't talk about love. You didn't just talk about living a hard life. Lord, you gave us an example. And Lord, that example gives us strength to keep moving forward today. Lord, this life is a journey and it's a long one. And so Lord, I pray that as we walk this journey, that we look to our left and our right. We see others who love you walking alongside us, but we can also see you out front. And Lord, help us walk so closely that you just kick up on us. Lord, we need you today. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I hope that in the next few moments, you just kind of see where you're at on this idea of following Christ. It's never easy. But man, I can't think of a better way to live our lives. Following Jesus, can you imagine? You're so close that whatever step he takes, your footprint goes on top of him. That's what we need today. Our world needs that, but we also need it. We're that close. We can't help but not only feel the dust, but we can also feel the love and we can feel the way that he's leading us. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'll be down here at the side of the stage. I'd love to talk with you about what that looks like. Elders would be around the room. For some of you, it's time to take an inventory of just where you sit today. Where is Jesus in your life? And are you willing to say yes to him in all the easy and hard decisions, the big and the small, simply out of love?